Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me Undies, comfort from the outside in. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. And if that question doesn't get resolved, then now it's open for anybody sitting at home to speculate on it. Now. Who's sitting at home? Some of the viewers? Yeah. The viewers. No, I'm talking about, like, what did you say to Michelle? Flip on the outside, guys. Why don't you just, like, think about it. If someone airs an episode and everybody's sitting here Wait, talking why about... why are we talking about episodes? Why the f*** are we talking about episodes? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and I'm going to tell you my views on the game we saw tonight (laughs) some played it wrong some played it right which of these bros got the roses and which of these guys got sent home with crying eyes thank you that was my tribute to the spoken word that we heard in tonight's episode i hope you enjoyed it rudy francisco I don't know, your guest hosting. We will get to Rudy Francisco. Oh, my God. And how I may or may not have shared a stage that he frequented at one time in his life. Oh, my God. But before we get to that and before we get to our game breakdown, we, of course, must mention up top that Pace Case and I have authored a book, a fine tome, rich, dripping with thick juices of knowledge about our beloved game. Some people are comparing it to Twilight. Some people are comparing it to the Bible. (laughs) Others, the standard book of spells in Harry Potter, a very popular reference. By people, you mean you. And then maybe I guess I I count as the other person in that because I'm listening to you and not refuting you. Me, you are agreeing. Yeah, you're complicit. But our book basically goes through all of the things that not only a player would need to get into the game, to dominate in the game, but it also gives anybody who watches the show a better understanding of how the game components work. After reading it, it is going to take your understanding of what you're watching up 100 levels. So in celebration of this, we are trying to hit a goal of 10,000 copies sold, which we believe will get us on the New York Times bestseller list, which we believe will allow us to sell our own reality show, which is going to destroy any fucking dating reality show that currently exists. We are going to dominate, but we need help to do it. So we have two contests that are currently in action in effort to get these numbers up. The first one is an individual contest. You're going to go to howtowinthebachelor.com. You can pre-order the book there, and you can also upload your receipt there. And everybody who uploads receipts is going to be entered into this drawing. The drawing prizes are 15 people are going to get autographed copies of the book when it comes out on January 18th, autographed by Pace Case and I, of course. Wowie! Five people are going to get those books and private Zooms with Pace Case and I. Wowie! <laughs> Three people are going to get those books the Zooms, and some contraband t-shirts that we made a long time ago and never released because the image on them is, how do you say this, Uh, not fit for public consumption. So you'll get those shirts and you'll see what is on them. And then there is one lucky person who is going to get the greatest prize in the history of our beloved game. You are just going to receive a box. In that box will be contained this prize. You will open it. You will see what it is. And your life will change. So if you're interested in any of these prizes, you just go to howtowinthebachelor.com, pre-order that book, upload your receipt, 
and you'll be in the drawing. We also have a collective goal for the pit, which if we can reach these certain milestones along the way to 10K, we will do certain things for the pit. We are roughly around 13% of our goal right now. At 25%, Clues is going to present the world release of his original song, Bottom of the Pit, which we have heard two lines from so far, the amount we deserve. Do you want to hear the chorus? No, we haven't gone up anymore. (laughs) You won't allow it? I won't allow it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I was ready to sing it. Okay. Mm, not until, you know, we get those numbers up. We got to get these numbers. 50% of our 10,000 book goal. We will do an IG live from the shadow of the mansion. At 75% of our goal, Clues and I will compete against each other in a hoodoo competition. I mean, <laughs> Clues has been doing something that Lil Willie did in this episode, loading an IFI before he's about to do a very dangerous thing that's going to make you have sympathy for him. Maybe give you a sympathy group date win. I'm not looking for sympathy in this competition. I want it to be judged objectively by everyone who gets to view it. We're going to put the video of it up on all of our Instagram and everywhere. You'll be able to see it and you'll be able to vote on it. I want an objective voting. I'm simply saying I am ready to incur an IFI in service of this victory. That's all. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I'm the underdog (laughs) due to... uh, You know, you played professional baseball. (laughs) What? You're an athlete. (laughs) Oh, shit. I don't remember that time in my life, but cool. Glad that I got it. I had the lowest hops on my uh, frosh soft volleyball team, even though I was the tallest. Oh, maybe I do have an advantage. Yeah, but you also have a massive advantage over me in that you are much younger than me. I have passed the Mm. age where athleticism (laughs) is a thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know. You seem spry. I've heard about these paint cans. Who knows what what kind of gains are going on? That's true. You also, you know, are vegan now. So I feel like that gives you, you know... Jumping strength. You've got that moral power. Yeah, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, And at 100% of our goal, Clues and I will present a mystery prize that I think you're all gonna love and enjoy and cherish. Better than Twilight. So hopefully we hit those goals. Thank you to everybody out there who's already pre-ordered the book. And thank you to everybody who is about to. And now, uh, let's do what we came here for, Pace Case. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So we opened tonight's third episode of Bachelorette Season 18, Michelle Young, with a promo, just like we always do. It's the voice. We don't know who this person is. Tonight on The Bachelorette, we see the pilot Pete ripoff date. We see the spins. We see some kisses, forced nudity, more kissing. We see Michelle loading LL2 for somebody. We see Jamie getting kisses. It looks like Jamie's going to be exposed. We see some fighting. We see Michelle getting hurt, more tears, jaws are on the floor, and something is going to crash down. All of that is going to be in tonight's big game. Can I just say, we were a little down on this season last week, but I got into a conversation with a friend of mine about this season, and I meant to just skim over it, but then I started getting into it, and I was like, I'm actually very into this season. I was very much looking forward to this episode. (laughs) Your friend drug you into a deeper part of the pit than you even knew existed? Yeah, she just started asking some questions, and I'm like, well... I can't wait to see what Jamie's gonna, how Jamie's gonna handle this. 
et cetera, et cetera, how they're going to present Clayton. So I'm back in it. Fantastic. I am too. Tonight was a pretty good episode. There was some good gameplay all around, some bad gameplay all around as well. We're going to get to all of it right now. So portion one begins. Clouds are rolling in. It is the morning. Michelle is getting ready in a mirror and she's ITMing being hurt about the conversation she had with Jamie about her previous relationship with Joe. We get some ponder shots as Michelle's ITMing, not knowing who to trust, which is setting up the narrative of this episode that Michelle is looking to trust these guys again and she doesn't know who's trustworthy and who's not. We get some ITMs from Casey saying she has a good head on her shoulders for sussing out the 4TWR. Seems like there's a rat in our midst. Jamie here is given some screen time as he's telling all the guys there in the group room that he thought he was in a good position because he had one-on-one time with Michelle. Then we cut to ITM audio of Jamie basically saying he's never going to come clean about telling Michelle that the other guys don't trust her and he doesn't care about the other guys. He's not here for them. None of this audio, literally none of it, is played on face. The entire thing is fabricated. Mm. It is Frankenbitten to shit. He said none of this. Even in this moment, you're in the, into maybe like a minute of the episode here. The producers are turning him into the most sinister version of himself they can at every turn. And we're going to see more of that happening throughout the show. But this is the first inkling we get of it. There's probably 30 seconds of his dialogue that is just like syllables, it seems like, are cut together to make words he never said. Oh, completely. But the first inkling I had of his strong villain edit was the promo that said, we've had villains before, but not like this. About Jamie. (laughs) No, you have. You have had villains just like this, many of them. And he's not even like, in my opinion, the worst of them. Yes. Have one every season. Bristow brings out the date card. It is a group date. I want a man who isn't afraid of the danger zone. So we're heading back to the 80s for this hip ref. And she also encourages the guys to tattle here. She says, if you feel like there's something she needs to know, you better tell her on this date. She's prodding the guys to tattle on Jamie because the producers and Caitlin all know what he said. They have obviously seen the footage. They know it was him. And she's there to be like, go on, tell Michelle about it. We need to see that, which is going to come into play later when much later in this episode, we see Michelle talking to Tasha and Caitlin saying like, I found out it was Jamie. And they're both acting like, holy shit, I can't believe this. They've known the whole time. Straight lies. We begin the group Top Gun date, seeing some old school planes. Michelle emerges from a plane in a onesie, jumps off the wing. Very cool. And we meet Jay Ellis and Glenn Powell, two actors who are in the new Top Gun Maverick movie. So this date is going to be Spawn Con. Glenn Powell has 314,000 Instagram followers. Jay Ellis has 784,000. And as they come out of this hangar door, the Top Gun theme song plays. I don't know if you caught that. So they've actually licensed the songs here. This is straight Spawn Con. And this is not the first movie product placement we have ever seen in our beloved game. The first one that ever took place was way back in season 12 when British Bachelor Matt Grant took Holly Durst to see the movie Made of Honor on a one-on-one date. And there's a rich tradition of this happening again and again in our beloved game. So I was glad actually to see Top Gun here. I like Top Gun as well. I'm looking forward to this Top Gun 2 Maverick. I love the director. He's done some very cool shit like Tron Legacy. He also did that Tom Cruise movie Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Manny Jacinto from The Good Place is going to be in it. Oh, cool. I think this form of SpawnCon is way better that they're doing these like fear factor type things as opposed to the old school version where 
the players just watch the movie and we see them watching it. The two actors tell them that they're going to have a competition. It's about love, test you mentally and physically, but Michelle can only pick one Maverick, so there's going to be a winner. It's a PFT. This is an exact ripoff of the same date that they did on Pilot Pete's season 24 two-ish years ago. I mean, it is a literal exact ripoff. There is nothing different here. There's no tricycles. Right. They replaced the tricycles with pugil sticks in this case. Yeah. Because it's guys, they did a forced violence instead of the obstacle course component. Other than that, down to the fucking gyroscope where they're trying to make people puke, it's the exact same date. And it's just like, how lazy are the fucking producers? I don't get this. Say lovey. I mean, (laughs) maybe they assume all people are like Peter the pizza printer who says he loves the volleyball scene and quotes, I guess, the movie says, I'm running out of fuel. I don't remember that. Do you remember that line? I'm running out of fuel. It would have been in the very beginning, actually, the inciting incident when I believe there's a pilot named Cougar or Merlin. I forget what their fucking call signs were, but a guy is running out of fuel and Maverick, Tom Cruise, has to like help him fly him back to the... Uh, mm. aircraft carrier because he's like losing his mind. He's like, I'm out of fuel. I don't know what I'm doing up here. If that was a reference to that at all. I don't know. I don't remember that exact line. There's a lot other more famous lines that he could have used. The <laughs> They put on these matching tots. They walk in a line, Armageddon style, or Clues likes to say some other thing. Well, I mean, it's right stuff, but yes. It's not only Armageddon style, it's right stuff <laughs> style, it's Top Gun style, it's Bachelor season 24 style. <laughs> like, yeah most famous bachelor season 24 and the actors give a few people nicknames will they call lil willie martin they call frosty peter they call Doughboy. these are formal though these aren't just nicknames these are call signs this is what pilots get Mm, like popeye i don't know if commercial pilots get it it's like fighter pilots get call signs Mm. it's a big part of the top gun lore like maverick for example is not tom cruise's character's name that's his call sign Mm. Wow, learning a lot about Top Gun. I know. More from you than I did from the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, that's that's coming through. <laughs> the guys have to do some, <laughs> some push-ups. Michelle sits on Martin's back as he does push-ups. He's very strong. He then does a little check-in. He pulls Michelle aside, plays a little how you doing. How you doing? And... Michelle mentions that she liked another little gesture he did at the rose ceremony when she gave him a rose and he said, you got this. A little line of encouragement. Some subtle play by uh, Frosty. They all have to do the G-Force simulator and Will loads an IFI, says he's sweating, turning pale, feeling woozy. He's very motion sensitive. This is all before he even gets on. And they're told that Not only do they have to go in the G-Force simulator, but they have to say romantic things to Michelle Young while they're in it, which definitely makes a lot of sense. It's so stupid. It's so (laughs) fucking stupid. This was reminiscent to me of what they did in Listen to Your Heart, where they were like, you definitely have to perform a song together, but we're also looking on stage for how much you're a couple. Yeah. And it's like, what? What does that have to... It's so fucking dumb. But... It does get a couple of guys to do some alohas here. We get Peter alohaing in Italian, and then we get Will later alohaing in Spanish as they're spinning around <laughs> trying not to puke. And Will looks like he's going to vomit, and she's like, do you need a bucket? And he says, I need you. Nice. And 
they get a hug out of this. This is a nice little play by him, I thought. I mean, that's the benefit of an IFI. If you load it, you can make it fake. You can make it easy to overcome and you get bonus points for yeah. any extra flair you add on to it. Peter gets upset that he gave his recipe for love and then Lil Willie steps in and says the same thing, but in Spanish. And he's going to take him out Maverick style. Whatever that means. You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Tom Cruise style? Running? Yeah. I mean, he was a in that movie, he's just a fighter pilot. He's not like boxing people and shit. He's flying around. Does he shoot people with the plane? No, never. Doesn't kill anybody. What? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if Pizzapreneur has seen it. Yeah, it kind of seemed like maybe he hadn't seen it or he saw it once when he was a tiny kid and didn't remember much. But the next part of this date is the guys doing, in quotes, a dog fight. This is the forced violence element. So they're going to gear up and fight with pugil sticks on this weird makeshift little thing of foam pads they've put in here. And the first fight is going to be Clayton versus Nate. Clayton an ex-professional football player, of course, <laughs> dominates this instantaneously. And this type of shit happens in these group dates all the time. I think it was on Caitlin's season where they had a boxing match and it was an ex-D1 college middle linebacker who's like 250 pounds of solid rock muscle. I was at that date in the crowd. And so what was that like to see a fucking giant man just crush a smaller man and basically send him to the hospital? To be honest, I didn't know that that was such a big thing that like the sizes need to be lined up. So I was just <laughs> enjoying it. I was trying to figure out who the front runners were. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very far away. Cheering for the violence. Just enjoying, you know, being around the people. Sure. I was praising the process, you know, trying oh. to become a meme, obviously. Fantastic. Okay. Didn't work. But then we get a couple other fights here. We get Martin versus Spencer, LT versus Rick, Joe versus Olu. And now we come to the Will versus Peter rivalry. And Will utterly dominates Peter. It seems like, at least the way they've cut it, Peter doesn't win ever. Will is just throwing him off this thing, kind of at Will. And uh, we see that that rivalry is getting stoked here. It seems like they're building to something, these producers. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, look at this. These producers are bad so far, but maybe they know how to build up a traditional rivalry. Maybe we're going to get to see that work out. Hmm. Yeah, maybe a two-on-one. Yeah, a two-on-one or anything. Just any conclusion to this rivalry. That's what I'm expecting because of the scene. And of course, they let us down later, but we'll get to that. And then the two actors, in quotes, determine who the winner of this date is. So this is the producers, obviously. They are the ones making the selection. The forced violence, the gyroscope, all of it's arbitrary. This is a subjective decision. And they give the group date to Will, specifically to piss off Peter. That's the only reason. What do you mean subjective? He showed physical stamina and a bilingual nature. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're totally right. You're right. This was 100% objective. Objective as fuck. (laughs) Who else could have won? But Will's prize is this bomber jacket, and he gets a hug. And uh, Clayton now is getting more ITMs and screen time, I'm starting to notice. He's talking about in his ITMs, I really need to show off to, to her. I need to show Michelle who I am and all this. And now we're starting to see him creep into the document a little bit more. They're starting to ramp up the promotion for their next Bachelor. And then we see what the ultimate prize is, the play for time here. Will gets to ride shotgun with Michelle in a vintage Porsche that will appear in the movie Top Gun. This is very similar to Kelly Flanagan getting to ride in the plane with Peter at the end of that pilot group date. Portion number three, we get the after party of this group date. Clayton gets some one-on-one time. (laughs) And he tells her it's been a hell of an experience already. You know, from the teacher stick to 
what he's about to do now. <laughs> he tells her she has a confidence that she exudes. He needs to take some notes. He wants to get to that point. He's been able to grow so much. He was a little upset that Michelle didn't get to go on the spinny thing today. Spin with me. <laughs> and <laughs> Clayton grabs both of Michelle's arms and they spin around in a circle. I mean, <laughs> did, was it everything that you hoped from the promo? It launched me into a whole world of thought. Was he, after the group date, thinking to himself, I'm going to spin her? That's what I'm going to do on my one-on-one time? Was this improvised as he was sitting there? Was he thinking about it while he was in the gyroscope? Fuck this. I hate this. I'm going to visit this same suffering upon Michelle. I don't know. (laughs) All I could think was, when did he come up with this fucking crazy idea? And then when they get done spinning, he kind of stumbles around drunkenly as though it has, you know, completely thrown him off balance. I don't know how long they were spinning. We just saw the edit. It looked like they did it for five seconds, which would have no effect whatsoever on any human being. For me, it just keeps playing into this idea that he is kind of stuck in grade school to some degree. The teacher stick. He's playing. This is like a grade school playground thing that you do, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm getting that sense that he's like just kind of a simple dude, if you know what I'm saying. And I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I cannot wait for season 26. Can't wait. (laughs) I loved watching this. I love that he uses it as a kiss lead-in. He says, I'm going to be able to sleep now, so that's perfect. Like, he wasn't going to get to sleep unless he tortured Michelle, spun her around. Or himself. He's like, I, my brain only slows down enough to sleep when I, I jostle it around in my skull. Like, what is he fucking talking about? You have to make yourself dizzy to go to sleep? I hope that this is a signature move, a la the Popeye forklift, a la the Pavelka legs on lap. (laughs) Oh, God, that's fucking, that's a deep cut. (laughs) Deep cut. Some bachelors have signature chemistry plays. I hope that we're going to see Clayton spin them all. Yeah, maybe we will. But after Clayton, Nate gets a little one-on-one time. He says he's feeling like a little boy catching feelings for her. That's an LL1. And then Nate gets a kiss. And then Joe has some one-on-one time. He leads in with a, how you doing? How you doing? She admires his quiet confidence, she says. And she really likes that. That's an L01 to Joe. Joe gets a kiss. And then she ITMs being lucky to have a group of such mature men, which, of course, is a written line by the producers that they need to get in the ITM so they can cut directly to... Peter and Will fighting back at the group. Anytime a producer (laughs) is telling you in an ITM to say like this absolute statement about how everyone is mature or everything's going great, nothing can go wrong. They use those lines to cut to whatever the opposite of the thing is you're saying. And so we see here Will and Peter just fucking going at each other. Saying somewhat random lines and not even seeming to speak to each other. Pizzapreneur says, you're not a man, you're a bully. Will says, all right, pizza boy, that money don't buy you character. So I don't know. Peter has off camera told him he has a lot of money. Peter says it brings me class. He tells him he has three locations because Will says your pizza place isn't open. He, I change lives one slice at a time. I like that he's getting in that <laughs> slogan. 
And the rest of the guys leave, except for Nate, who just watches. Peter calls himself the big dog. Will says the big dog has the jacket. Peter says it's a sympathy jacket. This is hearkening back to the days of always be Cam getting the sympathy rose. And he says, check the pockets. There's a box of tissues. This seems like posturing. The fight doesn't even seem real to me at this point. It seems like they're just being like, we're going to be the guys fighting to try and get on camera. Yeah. But then we begin portion four. We see the guys back at the resort and we get a knock, knock at the door and the one-on-one date card is delivered. Love is about letting go. And Rodney is the recipient of this date. We get Malik ITMing that Rodney isn't a contender. He's open gameplay speech here and calls him funny, but says he's also a great guy. So we're setting up a possible full edit here. And the narrative of Rodney is going to be he's too jokey. He's too funny. Stuck in the friend zone. Can he be serious? Back on the group date, Martin gets some one-on-one time. Michelle tells him that she loved that he pulled her aside on the day portion She says, you don't seem nervous. There's so many different layers to you. So much depth. That's what I've been missing. They kiss. Martin pulls off his glasses while they're kissing to really get in the moment like this. I mean, Martin's doing these little subtle moves. Maybe he could actually be in the top four. And he says, so when are we going on that one-on-one date? What he did here is brilliant. Martin is not a contender. Martin will not be top one or two. But what he's doing is displaying an expert understanding of the first audience. That's the lead. Many players will make this mistake that a first audience game or strategy is about getting the lead to like you. It's not. The lead likes two people, the finalists. That's it. And the lead knows who those two people are almost every season on night one. Everybody else is just being arranged to be dismissed. But if you do what Martin has done here, you make that little group date play where you pull her aside and say, hey, How's it going here? You have this great little mini date at the uh, after party. She doesn't have any reason to kick you off. The lead's job, the only job they have, is to kick off 29 of 30 people and to do it in a way that will make them look the best. So if you give them a reason to kick you off, they're going to kick you off. If you don't give them a reason, you're going to float. And if you make little plays like this that make you stand out above and beyond just a little bit, you're going to fucking pass through with flying colors. I think he could make it to top six like this, maybe top four. I mean, I famously said he was top four on night one. So that is true. Time will tell. But Michelle ITMs that she's very confident. Martin is here for me. So he has won her trust that is so important this season. Back at the guy chat, Peter, the pizzapreneur, puts on Lil Willie's group date win jacket when he is gone with Michelle and displays it for the other guys, says, I think it looks better on me. I have to go rock it. And he ITMs that Will is hysterical and the jacket is a symbol of the disrespect I continue to get. And then as he's walking around, while Will is on his one-on-one time with Michelle, Peter throws the jacket in the pool. And Peter, (laughs) engaging in this display of insanity, was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I don't know what he's thinking here. Is he thinking this is going to get me screen time? I mean, it will, certainly. And you know what? There was an era of our beloved game where doing shit like this was kind of admissible and maybe even funny. We've seen it. We saw someone throw a framed photograph in the pool 
on a previous Bachelorette season. I mean, just on Bachelor in Paradise, which is a different game. Granted, it's not a, a single audience game or a first audience game. It's a, you know, group kind of dating game. But we just saw Mari Pepin throw a fucking birthday cake into a fire. I would argue that's a similar kind of thing. Destruction of property, throwing property into something that <laughs> destroys it. It's a similar strategy. It makes all the promos. It makes all the promos for sure. But you're going to see it didn't fucking work out for Peter. You might have gotten attention, but it was negative attention, if anything. And so for me, this was a huge error. You got to keep a, a cool head, especially when you're potentially being embroiled in a, a rivalry of some kind. Yeah. I mean, it's the type of thing you do if you're going for a blaze of glory strategy. Yeah, which Peter was not. But then Will returns to find out that Peter threw his jacket in the pool. Will is, of course, pissed. And Nate actually has a nice little moment here where he coaches him up a little. And he's like, as long as you sit there, kick it, you'll forever be regarded as the bigger man. Nate is 100% correct, and he actually helps Will here, who is on the verge of tears as he walks away from the group because he's so upset about this, but he doesn't blow up. And even though Will ITMs that he's hurt beyond words at Peter for taking it that far, he is able to maintain a fucking even-kill attitude about this. Even as Peter returns to the group from his one-on-one time, he's telling the guys he feels really good about his time with Michelle, and the other guys are like, uh yeah but what about the fucking jacket you threw in the pool (laughs) (laughs) clayton says this you threw will's jacket in the pool peter says i got a lot of love for you bro but don't get involved yeah don't get involved (laughs) it's like clayton's like don't you think it's gonna get back to michelle and peter you dating me or you dating michelle bro and clayton's like all of our actions impact her Peter, talk to Michelle about it. <laughs> this is just basic misunderstanding on Peter's part of any component of the game. Obviously, anytime you do something this inflammatory, it is going to affect everyone, including Michelle, including the other guys. So yes, they are all simultaneously dating her. That is the premise of the show, Peter. Will comes back and maintains just a stoic face, even though Nate says everybody buckle the fuck up. Will doesn't lose it. Michelle doesn't know any of this has happened. She says to the group, today has been an awesome reset. Martin, you listened and pulled me aside during the group date, which really meant a lot. Martin gets that group date rose. Not only that, this was actually not the end of the night. She says, I have something planned for us. And they go off on their own to a private concert, a quartet. They get some kiss chemistry play. (laughs) And we cut back to <laughs> little Willie fishing his jacket out of the pool with the largest pool tool I've ever seen in my entire life. As Michelle is ITMing how lucky she is to have no negative energy and that she can trust all these guys again. You get that shot yeah. of him fishing the fucking thing out. Did you also <laughs> notice when they went to their private concert what the song was? No. You Take My Breath Away. That was another Top Gun soundtrack song. Beautiful. That was probably the biggest hit from that song. Or no, probably Danger Zone. Anyways, portion five begins. It's the morning. Rodney's getting ready for his date. They show him leaving his bag by the door as he ITMs, not being the tallest or best looking guy in the room, but having the biggest heart and the biggest smile. Usually when they show you leaving that bag by the door, it means you're fucking going home. And after these like three or four shots, it's now nighttime. It went from morning to night instantaneously. And the date begins. And Michelle shows up. She tells him that they're going to do the state blindfolded and ITMs that they'll be playing Truth or Dare, 
This seems like an execution. Everything that is being set up here. It's even kind of a fool style date where he's feeding her these foods. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a callback to their mini date on night one where he didn't know the difference between pizza and lasagna. And she's even eating pizza and she gets it right on the first time, but (laughs) makes fun of him for not knowing what pizza was originally. She's blasting his face with canned whipped cream. This just seems like they're setting him up for disaster. They handcuffed themselves together to try to find a key in these packaged boxes. And then they find a megaphone. And this dare says, we dare one of you to strip down completely naked and streak through the lobby as the other one yells, this is our journey. So is this a forced or is this a voluntary nudity play that Rodney engages in? Coerced, which I would argue is forced. Yeah, I I would say forced. Yeah, I would too. He had no choice here. Because you can't be like, you have to do it, Michelle, the bachelorette. This is my experimental play. Ooh. He should have said, look, I want to do this and I'm down to do this if you are. But if you're uncomfortable with it, so am I. (gasps) I feel like he should have said, let's do it together. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll do this with you if you want. Oh, yeah. But if you're uncomfortable with it, I'm uncomfortable with it too. Anything that makes you uncomfortable, I'm not doing it either. Mm. And then he could have been saved from this because, of course, it's not just him running around for her. Fucking Caitlin and Taysha are there. Caitlin. They get to sit on this and laugh at him. All of the other guys come out. It's a humiliating moment. He played it well, but this is what the game does to you. And this is, of course, now at this point, a complete fucking fool edit. Can you imagine if she would have sent him home after this? Like, you just showed your fucking dick to everybody and on national television? Yeah, you can't. So... I do think it was forced nudity. I think there was a better way to play this. Anytime you're in a forced nudity situation, I believe you can turn it back on the lead and say, look, I'm down to do this, but I don't want to do something that you wouldn't also do if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Because I don't want there to ever be like a double standard between us. So if you're down to do this, I'm down to do it with you. And if you're not totally cool, I'm not doing it either. If you position it like that, I think you could get out of any forced nudity. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if you frame it in a consent conversation mm-hmm. as well, I think that that gives you bonus points. Totally. Because you're just like flashing her in a public place and you haven't even played your PTC yet. <laughs> God, I know. I know. He's just like, please let me get to my PTC. But then they do a little miniature <laughs> Mikasa. They go back to her place for a couple of minutes and she demands that he tell her something about himself that no one knows. It's like, I know we've known each other for just a few days, but please tell me something on national television that no one else knows. As though everybody has some kind of dark secret they've hidden from everyone else in their life, but that they will say it on The Bachelorette. What, you don't? No. Say it. I don't I don't know. Force dark secret. Force PTC. Yeah. I mean, I would have to like go back into childhood and be like, I don't know, but didn't my mom know about that? And like I have no idea. I don't I don't have any dark secret like this. Uh, but he says that his biggest fear in life is dying before marriage and siring offspring. And then he asks her the same thing, and she tells him her biggest fear and weakness is being complacent. She says that if she keeps being focused on the next thing, she can't enjoy the current moment, which is really what life is all about. And Rodney assures her there's nothing about her that's complacent or average. And she says she's going to need help being reminded of that. Basically, we get a kiss here. And she ITMs. uh, Rodney has now made it through the friend zone. And he's getting into that relationship zone, which I thought was well done by Rodney here. Definitely well done. But the way that she phrases it, he kept chipping away at the friend zone and made it to the other side of that, the relationship zone. You never want there to be chipping. No, he has no (laughs) chance in this game in the long run. 
Rodney was set up on a one-on-one date that could have easily been an execution, and he played it very mm-hmm. well. We're going to get to the next part of it here. And instead, he avoided the execution. He gets to stay a little longer. But portion six begins. Another group date card arrives back at the house. This group date card says, I want a man who can express himself. We got Jamie, Leroy, Chris G, Casey, Malik, Chris S, Brandon, and Romeo all going on this date. And Jamie ITM's extreme confidence. Nothing that's meant for me will land in another man's lap. And they're going to start hitting Jamie's ITMs now every 15 seconds with him saying something about how confident he is and how he's got this all wrapped up. They are building him into the worst possible person they can. Back on the later portion of the one-on-one date, Rodney and Michelle get in a boat to go to dinner in the middle of this body of water. Michelle loves that he's so playful because her parents still laugh together, even though they've been married a long time. And he says, you've made it easy to be myself. And then he says that he was raised by a single mom. His dad left when he was six for the majority of his life. All he knew was just him, his younger brother, and her. Grew up watching her struggle and work three jobs to put food on the table. But she taught him that with a good heart, you can get through anything in life. She's my hero. Wonderfully played, PTC. So wonderfully played that Rodney playing his PTC on this one-on-one was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This was so beautifully done. He's spent the whole day enduring this fucking brutal fool edit. Whipped cream on the face. Naked ass running up and down these the fucking squid game stairs in the goddamn hotel. In front of three bachelorettes. <laughs> and every other player in the fucking game. And the entire fourth audience. All of us saw his bare ass as well. And the third audience. Uh, every audience was watching his ass running around. But here in this moment, Michelle Young sets him up well. She says one of the things she admires about him is his playfulness. She's glad that he has that. But she's like, but also I can see there's a more serious side to you. And when she says that, she gives him the opportunity. She's like, you're up to bat, dude. Don't drop the ball. And he doesn't. He lays out this PTC that is so fucking sincere, so fucking real. It is incredible. And obviously we see what happens. So that was my play of the game. I just thought he he played this fantastically. And <laughs> when they start talking about what went wrong in her last relationship... I thought that was hilarious. I was like, is she going to talk about Matt James? Is she going to be like, well, I came into the season late, so I didn't get a fair shot at the ring. And I didn't yeah. know at the time, but the 25th Bachelor had already chosen his winner on night one. <laughs> but she didn't say that. That was not the relationship she was referring to. Yeah, I did love how he says, I don't want to open old wounds, but what went wrong in your last relationship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your wounds. Uh, Michelle plays PTCs of her own here, talking about how her mom is one of the strongest people she knows, that in their interracial marriage, a lot of the times her dad didn't have to speak up, but her mom would stand in front of him and protect him. And she hasn't felt that in past relationships. And she says that in her last relationship, not Matt James, someone used the N-word in front of her at a grocery store, directed at her. And when she got home, she was visibly upset. But her partner's response was about how she was giving the woman more power because she was upset about it and that she was choosing to be upset about it, that she had to justify her emotions, and that should have been her sign. I mean, Rodney is playing a very 4TRR game here. 
but he's, you know, he's allowing Michelle this platform to talk about all of these things that we haven't heard her talk about before. So he is playing this very well. And it was just another great moment historically in Bachelor history, I think, that you get to see a lead of color talking about her experience being black and having these racist things happen to her. That, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's happening more and more. We're seeing conversations like this more and more in the main document of the game. But every one of them is like necessary and good to see. It's good for like people to see this type of shit in middle America who don't have access to conversations like this or people thinking like this or expressing themselves like this with any kind of regularity, you know? Yeah, definitely. But then they take a little trip. They get back in their boat and they get a kiss. And Rodney loads a love level one in ITM saying he has strong feelings that could develop into love. And of course, he's getting that one-on-one rose at the end of the dinner. So congratulations to Rodney. That's a a tough rose to pull off. I really think they set him up for disaster. This shit just looked bad from the beginning. And he walked out of there with a rose. Fantastic. By the way, when Michelle gives him the rose, she says, you spoke about being an underdog, not the tallest person, not the best looking person in the room. I don't see you as an underdog. And I was like, but he said that in his ITM. So he's repeating this line in his ITM and then to Michelle. Yeah. He's branding himself. Little brand identity. That ain't bad. He also loads love level two, says he's developing strong feelings, can see that developing into love in his ITM and that Michelle could be the love of his life. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think that's going to be the case, Rodney, but... uh Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the SkinSafe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists 
Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Uh, maybe. Then portion seven begins. It's the morning and we see a finely manicured field of grass. I don't know if this is a golf course or not, but it's beautiful. And even more beautiful is a fox. Or a coyote or something. <laughs> it's like a canine looking creature strutting his stuff. His mouth is open. His tongue is wagging in the desert heat. But not even that. Not even the brutal Palm Springs sun beating down on all the creatures of the desert can stop this canine creature from strutting his stuff right in front of the fucking cameras and getting in the document. This fox or wolf or coyote or maybe a rabbit i don't know what it was but it was my <laughs> creature of the week this what i thought was a coyote but clue said might have been a fox and now i'm thinking it could have been a dog or other cane hunt creature finally makes his appearance, the only creature in the document, and struts his stuff down this line. It was also my... Creature of the week. Oh, I, you know, it was a fine creature. We really did only have one choice. It was a good creature, though. I don't know that we've seen this creature before. Yeah. Whatever it was. Very independent. Very confident. Yeah. A la Jamie. But not getting that bad at it. Then the guys arrive at the group date and we get some more of these ITMs from Jamie. Confidence, confidence, confidence. They're just <laughs> building him up to bring him down as low as they can. Michelle meets the guys in front of this building and tells them all that this group date is about expressing themselves. They walk into a room and there on a stage delivering some spoken word poetry about his future wife 
is Rudy Francisco, 236,000 Instagram followers. Rudy Francisco was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I have seen Rudy Francisco in person in Los Angeles on a stage Hmm. at a place called De Poetry Lounge. It's the biggest spoken word open mic poetry place in the country. I used to go to it every Tuesday many years ago. It's fucking fascinating. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough to everyone who who might be in Los Angeles or ever visit Los Angeles every Tuesday night at the Green Street Theater or Greenway Theater on Fairfax by Fairfax High. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's right across the street from that old silent movie theater. You're now going to have so many people come to try to find you. <laughs> I haven't been in many years, but Rudy Francisco was a regular there. Every week he would show up. There was like a crew of poets who would come pretty much every week. But like, I saw fucking Prince there in the audience once. Celebrities would come to like watch people do their shit because he was the best in the world. And I saw Rudy Francisco Mm. on that stage probably 50 times. So when I saw him now in the document, my mind was blown. I'm like, my worlds are colliding. Did you ever perform? I did do one poem that was like a funny poem. Ooh. I did. Because you see it enough. It's basically how it works is anyone can go there. You it was like nine or ten dollars or something. And it went from nine to midnight in two halves. And in each of those halves, anyone can go up and sign up on the sign-up sheet and you get three minutes to do whatever the fuck you want. So some people, like Rudy Francisco, were like polished spoken word poets, would do be like working Mm -hmm. out new material or whatever. They had a slam poetry team that was kind of in-house and they would go to like national competitions and stuff. But also, there were just people like me or maniacs who would go up and try to do stand-up or freestyle rap, and it would be terrible. And that shit was also <laughs> hilarious. I, it's just one of the most entertaining things you can do in Los Angeles. So I was happy to see Rudy Francisco on stage here and as part of the document. Dang. I don't have that personal connection, but I was just as happy. And Rudy <laughs> Francisco, the poet that got tall, Chris G, hooked on spoken word poetry and gets a, gets Chris G to show us his consummation face was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I'm like out of breath after that. Yeah, I know. That was a very long one. Uh, our collective bystander uh, tells the guys that he's challenging them all to write their own poems, get vulnerable, and Leroy ITMs that he's never written a poem. So we see there's a... And Chris, we know Chris G, lives and breathes spoken word poetry. So there's a, a wide breadth of experience here in this artistic endeavor. And the guys all go off to write their poems. We get all the shots of them writing. This is very common on artistic group dates where you have to produce a song or a monologue or a poem or what ever the case may be. And then all the other guys show up as the audience. The dudes who are not on this group date, they come to fill in the audience. They get to watch the spoken word open mic contest. And we see that Brandon goes first. He takes Michelle up on stage with him, gets a little kiss as he's delivering his poem. We see Romeo has a decent poem working off the Romeo and Juliet motif. And then we get a montage of all the other guys. And then Chris G ends that montage with a full spoken word in the cadence, in the rhythm of spoken word. I'm going to tell you what it's like, all that kind of stuff. And Michelle is ITMing that these guys are so 
all of them into being vulnerable. And we know what that means. You're going to show us somebody who's not. And the very next person is Jamie. (laughs) He's on fucking stage and he's like, I lost my book, so I'm going to have to spit from the heart. Some kind of weird freestyle. Did he not write anything down? How do you, in quotes, lose the book? All of this is some kind of weird put on. Obviously, it doesn't fucking work. He tells the story about a girl getting lost, taking a shortcut through the woods, who sees a guardian angel. KCITMs, he's preparing to be a motivational speaker slash cult leader. (laughs) (laughs) And Michelle is last. And we finally get this monologue, which we have heard her saying throughout the promos, a letter to her future soulmate. And... She says, growing up, there was no others to be found like her, the token black girl. She was a stamp on diversity. She got invited to parties as long as she followed the white trends. And that dating was hard because white connected with white. She blamed her singleness on being a late bloomer, but she was never invited to apple orchards and cute dates. She was last for prom, first for basketball. A public performance, PTC by Michelle, earns her a standing ovation from crowd. Portion 8 then begins. It is night. It is the after party and we open with some more ITMing from Jamie talking about how he feels no competition (laughs) and it's like we fucking get it. You can stop playing these ITMs now. We understand that you're about to fucking chop this guy off at the knees and Brandon gets his one on one time. He mirrors Michelle's biracial PTC from her poem and Michelle says she's attracted to his mind. This is a love level level one. And he says she makes him feel so good he hasn't felt this before. It's scary. That's a love level one. And we get that kiss. So Brandon is actually motoring through this game in a way that I did not see coming. I, I, he's kind of becoming a front runner in my mind. Yeah, he might be that fourth slot in the top four. He might be. I agree. They kiss and she says she feels like she just dropped on a roller coaster. (laughs) Got good chemistry play, Brandon. Absolutely. And then he even ITMs that he's crazy about this woman and loads love level fucking three. I'm falling in love with her, he says. And then Jamie gets yet another ITM about feeling confident. We get a montage of a bunch of different one-on-ones as Jamie continues this ITM about his fucking confidence. And then finally, Jamie gets his one-on-one time. He mirror PTCs about feeling like the other and that that's how he grew up as well. It works. He gets that kiss. And once again, we're getting Jamie ITMing being able to tell that she's captivated by him and all of the goals he's laid out on this night are coming true. He has the group date rose in the bag, he says. So this entire section of the after party was primarily Jamie ITMing pure confidence and that he's going to win the group date rose. Michelle gathers everyone and says she's giving the rose to someone she felt connected with and felt safe with, Brandon. And at this moment, as they're all walking away, Jamie pulls the producer to the side And then has this conversation where clearly he thinks that he's not being filmed anymore. He says, really? Competing with Brandon for a woman's attention? You're telling me we're in the same league and we're not even close. Like, I got to wait six weeks to get to the end of this. I really felt like it would be a stronger group of guys. How's that nationwide search? Where are they at? And then starts talking about Michelle. She's basically in spring break mode. It's a little bit of a turnoff. And Jamie, forgetting that the third audience are not your friends and talking shit on Michelle while mic'd up was my error, 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 error of the game. 
you never give them the footage. You're being filmed all the time. You never talk badly about the first audience. This was definitely rough to see. Jamie, unfortunately, fell prey to something that I think a lot of players do at this stage of the game. People who have huge egos. They come in and they're like, I'm going to dominate this thing and everything's going good for the first two or three weeks. And then they get checked a little bit and they fucking blow up. And the way he blew up here was strange to go then talk to a producer about it. To be like, Wait, come on, where's all these good players at? It's like, the person you're talking to cast this show. You're, you're directly insulting the people who are making the show to their face as though they're your friend. Yes. And he's also fallen prey to the idea that they are his friends. He believes that he can have this conversation off the record with this person. Meanwhile, the person is the record. They control the record. You're talking directly into the record. It does. <laughs> it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. So he's totally fucked up there. Now, all of that said, the way they're using this footage, like the they try not to ever have producers in the show unless it's like a, a crazy moment where it must be required, like Colton's fence jumping or you know, uh, players like, get me the fuck out of here. A lead is like, I'm quitting the show, basically, is the only time you really see producers. Here, they're doing it just to make some player more villainous. All of this is used simply and only to make him appear like the biggest piece of shit on planet Earth. They did not need to include this. They did it with Victoria Larson. Yeah, same thing, exactly. If you've watched this show at all to prepare, <laughs> you you don't make these kinds of mistakes. And Everyone is having conversations like this. I'm sure they have footage of every single one of these people giving them something like this, but they're only going to choose to show it for the villain. Of course. Portion nine. We start with a casting card by at the end of this commercial, by the way. Who wants to be on the next Bachelorette, which I thought was funny. Yeah. We get the cocktail party. Jamie tells everyone he's maintaining momentum. <laughs> Jamie style. And... Malik tries to be the first responder, gives Michelle the drink, but Nate actually gets the first responder, says, has everybody cheers her? Because I'm going to grab her. Very powerful move by Nate. Oh, it was great. I, I, This is like exactly how you do this. You're acknowledging the second audience. Have we all cheers? Is everything good? Okay, great. I'm going to take her. Nate is like, his style is, I don't know what it is exactly. It's like charminance. It's like dominance and charm. All in one. Charminance. <laughs> you could only have charminance if you're 6'8". <laughs> exactly. But that's another piece of it. That like he's gigantic. He towers over everybody, but he's constantly smiling. And what he's promoting is charm, not dominance. But through that charm, he achieves dominance. It's brilliant what mm -hmm. he's doing here, his play style. And to do that to the second audience, to be like, hey, everybody good? I'm going to take her. And he's smiling and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, Nate's a good guy. They have to give it to him. Brilliant, brilliant second audience player here. He issues a how you doing. He says that he's liking every moment of this, every moment he gets with her. So he's praising the process, even though he, it's been six days since he's seen her. And Michelle suggests, let's run away. She takes her shoes off and the two of them run through the resort to somewhere outside, isolating themselves so that they can't be found. Dale Moss, Claire Crawley style. Except they can be. This shit to me was fucking hilarious because as they're running, first of all, their mics are on. You can't outrun a fucking mic. All your audio is being transmitted <laughs> to a control car somewhere, a control truck. But the fucking camera person who's on them... <laughs> 
has to chase them through the fucking night. And you get this shitty handheld camera footage of them, of whoever's the camera operator is just fucking like, oh, fuck, trying to keep up with them, lugging around like a fucking 80 pound camera on their shoulder. Oh, it was great. They engage in some strong chemistry play. Nate calls them two people who seriously vibe. So he's not just saying, I seriously vibe with you. He's like, I can tell you're into me too. She tells him she feels like she can trust him and they make out. Juxtaposed with this is the next one-on-one time we see, and that is with Table Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Rick takes a different approach to his one-on-one time, and he tells Michelle, whoever came to you with that info regarding the, the last drama that everyone has moved on from, it couldn't have been farther from the truth. They were probably trying to up themselves. And Michelle tells him it was Jamie. Oh, God. And this is it. This is the moment where Jamie's going to get blown up. Did you notice, by the way, Rick's call sign when he was doing the gyroscope? They mentioned it. No. What is it? Tabletop. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was his call sign. Tabletop. No, I didn't hear that. But yeah, this is it. This is this is the moment for Jamie. That is pretty much the knife in the heart. This is the nail in the coffin. Rick then ITM's wondering how he thought that he was going to get away with it. And so let's take a second and remind ourselves that the producers have allowed all of this to happen. They have, in fact, encouraged this to happen with Jamie at the cost Mm -hmm. of people developing real relationships with Michelle. The show is not really concerned with helping her. They actually want to destroy her. They want to set this up. The producers knew that it was Jamie who said this shit. They allowed that question mark to exist in everyone's mind for at least a couple of days, important days that people are going on group dates and one-on-ones, and this whole thing is threatening to fucking piss people off, tear people apart, make her waste time, and they allow it to happen. They encourage it to happen. So that, Rick, is how he thought he was going to get away with it. I like how you brought that back around. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Like slam poetry. (laughs) So, Rick, that is how he was going to get away with it. Or so he thought. Tabletop. Yeah. (laughs) Michelle tells Rick that she's now seeing that it's a red flag with Jamie. And then Rick immediately runs to Nate and Casey with this information. And Nate says, I don't want to be this guy talking shit about people. Let's get the guy here, hear his side of the story. That's Charminance. For TRR, through and through, Charminancing up a storm. Nate going hard in the paint for Charminance. Jamie comes over and Rick tells him that Michelle admitted that it was him who had tattled. And Jamie says, well, there's been conversation, speculation, and it created this character in the room. And then from this point forward, Tabletop is out of the conversation and nothing but Nate takes over the interrogation. And he says, when was this character created? Jamie, well, I had been in my room. I don't know the individual's name. That's weird. (laughs) You can't say who? And Jamie says, well, anybody sitting at home could speculate on it. And Nate goes, the viewers? (laughs) And then Jamie says, if someone airs an episode and Nate, so for TRR here, Why are you talking about episodes? Are you threatened by Joe? And he gets Jamie to spiral out here. Nate's 4TRR, fourth audience-less interrogation of Jamie was my... Play, 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 play of the game. 
Rick had this information. Rick could have used this to make a moment, but he did not. Nate took over with his charbonance and his 4TRR-ness and gets Jamie to basically admit that he was tattling based on nothing and making shit up and implies that he was threatened by Joe inserting like a a motive essentially for this tattle. And Nate seals it off in his ITM, says he made up that story. It's based on his own insecurities. I just thought, you know, he didn't have a really big storyline this episode. He didn't have a one-on-one date, but he still managed to come off as this extremely 4TRR guy. He did some like face play throughout this episode, some reaction shots. He had some one-liners. I mean, yeah, my play of the game. Look, I agree with you. This play was fucking astounding. This is the definition of charminance because when he is saying, that's weird, dude, when he says, I can't tell you who it was, it was general speech, and he's like, that's weird, dude, he's smiling the whole time. And that ultimately, the fact that he's not coming at him aggressively, he's not like standoffish about like, why the fuck did you do this? He's just like, yeah, dude, that's weird. Like, you can't even fucking tell us who said it. Come on, man. He's he's friendly to him. And in being friendly, it allows him to get Jamie to lower his guard so that when he fires these shots of like, are you threatened by Joe? It fucks him up. His defenses aren't up. So this is coming from somebody that he, at least in that moment, has been charmed by. And then the dominance comes. Are you threatened by that fucking guy? Let me charm you. Now let me dominate you. And that's it. Boom. You're out of the fucking water. It's also reminiscent a little bit of what we saw the greatest night one guy of all time do, GSJ. He was able to insert himself, maybe by the producer's demands, but he was able to insert himself in situations that he had really nothing to do with, take Mm -hmm. control of them, and eliminate players through that control. And we saw Nate Charminant style do that right here again. They all go to the group, and some of the group asks him about this. Rick says, you waited on us to call you out on it. Romeo ITMs that he's slithering. He should be a politician. And Michelle tells Taitlin that apparently there weren't men questioning her motives, that she's emotionally exhausted, but is going to try to keep those walls from going up. She's she's fighting. She's threatening to put those walls up every episode, but she won't do it. There's some conversation about whether it's high key or low key. Joe calls it snake shit, bro, that you were talking behind our backs. And Michelle comes over. She's like, there's a weird vibe. And JB tries to explain it. This is also the moment right before this where where she's talking to Taitlin and they're pretending like they didn't know it was Jamie. They're straight lying to her face. Mm. That moment to me was just like, that's as company player as it gets. They know Jamie said this shit. And she's like, I found out it was Jamie. And they're both like, I can't believe that. They're literally acting, literally lying to her. You think they're watching the footage? The producers tell her. Just like they knew those folders were going to be in there and shit. I mean, of course. But then we get this moment that you're talking about where Jamie delivers the most rambling explanation of all of this that I have ever heard in my life. (laughs) And it ends with him saying, like, he says this whole fucking thing. That's like, well, I was really saying that like, because you and Joe had this thing, it was creating this other thing. And that thing might be the thing that other people would use to question how sincere you were and blah, 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 blah. And then he ends it with, does that sound like our conversation? <laughs> it's just 
like, dude, you're fucked. You don't like if you're gonna fucking weave some just straight bullshit, you don't end it with a question of like, did I bullshit you? Okay. Did that work? You don't ever fucking do that. You just do the bullshit and move on. And he's like, was my bullshit okay? <laughs> I mean, he should have written down what his response to this was going to be. I know he keeps taking his journals and throwing them in the toilet or whatever. Doesn't have anything written down all episode, but yeah, come on. You, you knew this was going to come. I don't think he did know. I think from those ITMs, his amount of confidence mm. that he had on display, I think was blinding. It crippled him ultimately. I think there are many mm. ways that he could have played this ultimately. One of which would have been straight denial. I didn't say that. What, did I, to Michelle? <laughs> no, no, not to Michelle, to the other guys. And then when oh. Michelle comes in, you do what, then you do your little dance. Then you do your, mm. your meandering. But when Rick and Nate approach him, just be like, I don't know, dude. Like, what I said wasn't really that. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's in hot water for sure, but like, I, I think there are ways out of this. You can also fake passing out. You could do an IFI right here. Mm, a PTC. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's already played his big PTC, but I do think there are ways out of these situations. And he just like, he had no chance here. He was very bad at handling this disaster. Michelle grabs Jamie to have a one-on-one conversation and tells him that she feels like their trust is completely broken and that he created drama around her character and put that out there. This is referring to him telling her that one of his friends saw her with a light-skinned dude in Minneapolis. And she says, I'm very hurt. I don't trust you. And I think it's best I walk you out tonight. Eliminated. She wants to enjoy her spring break without Jamie. <laughs> Rodney says there will be no more parables. <laughs> and the guys watch her walk him out. And she, you know, has this ITM again. It's like hitting the same note. But Jamie was someone I saw a future with. I'm worried that people you trust will no longer be trustworthy. She tells the guys she's worked hard to build a strong character and won't stand to be manipulated. She's built herself up for her soulmate. Cancel the rest of the cocktail party. And Clayton gets the last ITM here, says there are no guarantees in this game, basically. And again, they're peppering him in now more. He doesn't need this ITM. It serves yeah. no function except to be like, look at the face of this man who's going to be the bachelor on January 3rd, <laughs> 2022. Look at this face. There's no guarantees. Spin him while you can. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that'll be the tagline of his season <laughs> yeah spin you till you're dizzy and then i'll hit you with a teacher stick after we eat pizza in a sandwich and my sandwich is a hot dog portion 11 <laughs> begins michelle emerges she delivers a little speech about trust making or breaking a relationship and her soulmate is somebody she says that is fully trustworthy she takes a deep breath and we begin the rose ceremony joe gets that first flower Followed by Rick, Leroy, Nate, Casey, Chris G, Chris S, Clayton, Olu, Romeo. And then Taitlin emerges. Taisha gives the dark touch. The final rose is produced. And it goes to Will. Interesting that they broke up this rivalry between Peter and Will with zero payoff whatsoever. I'm not sure exactly why this happened. I am not sure either. It appears from the promo that they're going to make Chris S the new villain. I... They should have just kept Peter. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Bad producing again. But that is what happened. And then Caitlin gives a botched Tam Sig. 
And we say goodbye to Peter Spencer Malik and Clint Eastwood's grandson, LT. We savored your suffering. Will gives a cheers to, in quotes, a woman who handles herself with class. And then we get a promo for next week. Will and Michelle racing cars. There's some more forced nudity, a game of Twister. They go to an observatory. We get kisses from Clayton. Looks like we're going to get some more forced violence. We got ponders. We got fears. We got Chris S. throwing multiple people under the bus and becoming the villain. Nate calls him out. Maybe there's going to be a fight between them, it looks like. And then we see the tag is Rodney and Michelle have to photocopy body parts on their one-on-one, which we did not see in the cut. He copies his face and they make fun of it. And that is the end of the third episode of season 18 of The Bachelorette. Who was your MVP? For taking over the interrogation of 4TWR Jamie for avoiding the rivalry between Pizzapreneur and Lil Willie and instead engaging in strong face play and one-liner play for getting Will to de-escalate the rivalry with Peter for getting Michelle to run away with him and isolate for his first responder at the cocktail party and his charminance. Nothing but Nate was my M M M M V P. You know, I was going to give mine to Rodney, but after you put it like that, Nate was also my MMMMMVP. I mean, you're right. I liked Rodney's singular play of that PTC because I think it saved him. I think it gave him the necessary gravitas to get a rose instead of a full edit elimination. But Nate did put on a more robust performance using a style that no one else is using. And he was involved in all of these different things in a way that was only complimentary to his game. I I mean, we said this on fucking night one that <laughs> he was going to win the whole show. I still think that's true. Mm-hmm. And this is just like proving it to me. We've never been wrong. We're rarely wrong, I'll say. But I don't think we are in this case. I think he's he's utterly dominant. It's the charminance. That's what I really saw tonight from him that I haven't yet mm-hmm. seen. It's like, oh, he's a good player. He's a good player. But now I see he can kind of handle any situation with charminance. I don't think Joe Coleman has that ability. He's playing a very straight, quiet confidence game. And I think when that goes head to head against charminance, it loses. I'm excited to see it go head to head. We're going to. Wow. I don't think I've ever convinced you to change your mind with my arguments. I feel very proud of myself. Yeah. No, you're totally right. I think he overall had the best game. Poor Rodney. Poor Rodney. That motherfucker played a fantastic game too. He was given a moment to shine and the motherfucker shined. You're right. He still got an award. Totally. I still think that was the play of the game because I don't think Nate was like, he was not in danger of leaving the game. Rodney had to make that play or he's fucking out Mm. and he made it perfectly. Well, beautiful game. Loved breaking it down with your clues. Same. We'll be back on Friday for Twibbon where we will break down all of the gains of the players. I'm guessing nothing but Nate is going to be up there once again. We'll see if Ronnie gets on the charts. 
We are going to be breaking down that Bachelor Nation news. We are going to be breaking down those parasocial plays. We are going to be issuing our screams from the pit. And we had an episode come out on Monday on our Patreon where we did a digging deeper into a bunch of clips from various podcasts over the last two weeks within the nation. And much of it covers Foldergate. And much of that coverage is done by Taisha, Caitlin, some other company player podcasts. So if you haven't listened to that, go check it out because there was some fascinating shit being done in those podcasts. But we can't thank you (laughs) enough for joining us every week for our breakdowns. And we look forward to seeing you on Friday. As always, before we go, what is that Dwabat? It has been 7,163 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.